0: Salutations Ooh. and welcome <laughs> to a special one-off episode yeah. of the original <laughs> in the house podcast the OG 1.0 the, the official podcast of Scousers House supporters group which is an official supporters group of Louisville City Football Club. I am once again your host Evan <laughs> Floyd and I am pumped jazzed amped yeah. geeked thrilled to be here to talk about all kinds of Louisville City FC stuff
1: yeah
0: uh, I, I've got we're gonna cover the season at large we're gonna cover a playoff game a playoff win at Lynn Family Stadium we're gonna cover next week's big showdown with charlotte we're gonna talk a little bit about where we are in our lives today but uh to have there be a we i need to bring someone in to discuss this with me i need somebody to be the yin to my yang Uh to be the simon to my garfunkel and i can think of no one better suited to that than my partner who tonight is coming to you live From a hot air balloon circling the skies above Caracas, Venezuela,
1: okay. Andy Frederick, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Andy, welcome, buddy. It, it feels like, I listen to a lot of NPR now. Sure. And that's what this feels like. Because <laughs> we have to talk kind of low. Yeah. And so it feels, it, it seems like an episode of fresh air.
0: We I, I've always patterned my podcasting after Terry Gross. That's just like what I aim for, so... Fresh air. What's the other one? Uh, I I don't get to listen during the day anymore, but uh, I always loved uh, Diane Reem. I don't yeah. know if Diane Reem's still cooking. No. Oh man, that's a shame. She was she was a joy. But I mean, I don't ever get to listen in the middle of the day. I'm sure that's a podcast, though. Like I don't know why. It's I, all the same. I don't I mean, need to feel tied to the to the time schedule for these no. things. It also
1: occurs to me that this may not have we may have picked the wrong time to do a one off because. Okay. There's so much to cover. Like, maybe we should have done this, like, a third of the way through the season. Well,
0: we've talked about it repeatedly. We've thought regularly, like, hey, maybe we should do one. Uh, Yeah. I I know you get approached the same way I do, that occasionally one of our seven or eight fans will be like, you know, we'd love to hear you guys do it. Uh, I want to give a big kudos to Kenny Allward and Scouse, who... While it's not like a weekly thing, when they do an episode of the In the House podcast, they it's it's a star studded affair every time. Crazy! They bring in the big guns for every episode. Like for it's the opposite of what you and I did, where we would do an episode every week, but there would only be one big time guest every two months or whatever. They bring in stars for every pod that they do. And it's, it's worth listening to. I enjoy getting to... And also getting to watch, which is nice that they do the it's video. A, it's a nice extra little thing that Absolutely. they do. And, uh, and Kenny and Scouse were gracious enough. The young and virile Kenny Allward <laughs> was <laughs> gracious enough to say, Hey, you know what, guys? If you want to take the reins for a week, yeah. you go right ahead. Yeah. And uh, so here we are. We're back. Temporarily. For better or for worse. Temporarily we're back. Um just as a just as a primer, let's uh, let's give a little description because here's this is shocking to me. But people that I know of as fans don't even know we did a podcast. Like there no. are people who I now know are huge Blue City fans that weren't aware that you and I did no. this. And so uh, this was a, this was a fun little experiment we had starting in 2018. Uh, the idea that uh, we would do a podcast every week about mm-hmm. Loose City. I talked you into it. Yes. Uh, yes. I knew yeah. I wanted to do it, and I wanted to have somebody to bounce things off of. And the key I always thought was to have it be somebody you want to talk to anyway. Yeah. That it wasn't so much about having the brightest soccer mind we could right. find, right. and it wasn't so much even about finding like the the, the most experienced podcaster. We're, neither of us are either of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just... I knew I wanted to talk Loose City Soccer every week for an hour. Why not record it? And I knew I was going to be talking Loose City Soccer for an hour with you every week. So why not record it? Have you ever
1: listened to the first episode?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It's pretty bad. It's terrible. It's pretty bad. (laughs) But here's the thing. We didn't know what we were doing. We still don't. No. But at the time in particular, we didn't know what we were doing, even technically. Uh, It was very formulaic. Like, Mm -hmm. we used to sit down and have, like, notes and plans and an outline. And by the time we got to episode 100, uh, it was really just sort of show up and talk. Yeah. And uh, I I enjoyed every one of those episodes that we did together. And uh, I do miss it, but uh, I don't miss planning a time for it. I don't miss. you know the dirty looks from my wife when it was you're gonna go and spend another <laughs> yeah. night talking about soccer that's what you do professionally at the yeah. time and so uh, you know it was uh, it was a lot and uh, I know that uh, once Sandy Lowenstein was born we mm-hmm. had uh, that definitely put a time crunch on yeah. us. Uh, how is young Sandy
1: he's studying for his CPA <laughs>
0: As we speak, I'm sure he's going to be incredible. As at it. we speak,
1: no, he's he's good. He's good.
0: Um, uh, I kid. It was a nickname I gave Andy's son uh, weeks after he was born, uh, and uh, but your
1: your boy Leo, Leo, is now Leo. is now how old? He's two. He's two. He's two years old. So two is ridiculous. It just is like a time frame when we started this. My wife wasn't even pregnant. Oh
0: no! Yeah.
1: Yeah, and now you got a and two-year-old now a child. Two-year-old yeah. who uh, is a parrot. Okay, which is good and bad. Good in that you know you're watching him develop, like you're watching him learn his numbers and his letters and like all that stuff. What does he know about you know uh, holding midfielders? Not a lot. He he does he does know the word fuck though. Well,
0: that'll be useful. Which at a very minimum. Whatever position
1: yeah i wonder i
0: i would love to see a study done about fucks by position yeah so like what map, position of fucks, of fucks <laughs> who is cursing the most positionally not just our team i think our team is pretty clearly paolo or nile and oh yeah but although on a per minute basis it's probably antoine absolutely uh and so those three duke it out but uh, I'd love to know positionally across world soccer. Is yeah. it the midfielders? Is it the wings? Is it keepers? You feel like keepers might be sneaky for that. Uh, if I was a center back, I think I would be cursing at strikers constantly. Like, yeah. you know, get the
1: fuck out of my space. I don't, and, you feel, know. Like, I don't feel like keeper would be up there. No? Right. Something okay. about it. I don't feel like keeper would be up there. You're, you're, you're you know, keepers. You're too watchful. Okay. You're too, like... Okay. You're the conductor, essentially, right?
0: I love that. Uh, uh, all right. So, I'm glad Leo's doing well. Your blushing bride also. How long have you been married now? Oh, he didn't know I was going to ask that. <laughs> he didn't see that shit coming. Uh, 17, so... <laughs> I was say, you have not been married seventeen years. No, <laughs> <laughs> feels like it. No, I've not. known You're you like for twenty it. years, and uh, seventeen is not the right number. Uh, four years, four years, and my wife and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. And uh, that same weekend, we oh my God, you did. Yeah, that same weekend, my uh, we we celebrated my son Luca's six-month birthday. Yeah. So he's six months old, a year and a half behind your boy. Uh, I think he's going to catch him, though, like age wise. He's going to catch He's just going to run him down <laughs> yeah. from behind. He's going to lap him. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I'm a, four now. I found what? a loophole in the space time continuum. And, uh, it's,
1: uh, I'm going to teach you how to draft.
0: Not only, it, see, but by that same token of what you just said about uh, the time frames, I'm pretty sure that the last episode we hosted together. Yeah my wife was not yet pregnant. So we have been no. off the air for yeah. longer than my son has been anything. Yeah. And uh, uh, we were uh, on the air before your wife was anything. So that's yeah. uh, that shows goes to show you that it's been a long yeah. time coming. But uh, people didn't tune in to hear us talk about our sons, didn't tune in to hear us talk about our, you know, podcast history. Yeah. They tuned in to hear about Louisville City Football yeah. Club. Yeah. They tuned in to hear about the freaking playoffs that are going on right now. Currently. The most stressful time of the year, really. It really is. <laughs> now, when this podcast began, we would have flipped a coin to see what we were going to talk about first. Yeah, we, we gave up on that
1: many moons ago. Well, it's we did it, <laughs> and then we started cheating at it. Yes. Then we and just then we just about cheating.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and just gave it up. And then we just gave it up. So there'll be no coin toss, although I, I did have a moment of nostalgia thinking we should toss one earlier, but yeah. for no purpose whatsoever. No. So uh, for the purposes of this, we'll say it was a tails. But uh, okay. <laughs> for even okay. older times' sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about this team and uh, what your impressions were from this season. Uh, I'll, I'll say first and foremost that because of uh, uh, circumstance and the pandemic and my child being born mm-hmm. and my change in employment situation, uh, I saw less live Louisville City soccer this year than I've ever seen. I yeah. missed more games this year than I had missed in every other year combined. Yes. Now, I didn't miss a single game in terms of watching them, but there were a number of games where I watched it from home, even though it was a home game. Yeah, uh, It was unusual for me. It's been a transition for we're, me. Well, kids. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But uh, I, I actually really enjoyed getting to watch a lot of the games from home uh, in terms of being able to analyze how we were playing. Get a better viewpoint. The, the thing yeah. about watching from Scouse's house, which are still the best seats in the house, Yeah, it's not a great place for analytics. No. No, uh, no, no, for no. being able to really feel the flow of a
1: game, you can't see an overlap no, from right there. No,
0: you get you get crazy, frenetic action in Scouse's house. Yes, you don't get the uh, the concept of how the game was played. Uh, so I'll say I did enjoy that aspect of getting to watch more games from home this year. Yeah, uh, and the smooth vocal stylings of Devin Kerr and Mike Watts. Oh man, but uh, it was weird
1: year it's been strange Uh,
0: let's start at the beginning and say you know we played one game under the tutelage of (laughs) dear friend of the show yeah uh and and i still think and hope dear friend of mine uh john hackworth coached one game and then under at the time mysterious circumstances and now slightly less mysterious but but still 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 not entirely obvious uh, what all happened. We we know that it had to do with contract language. Yeah. We know that it had to do with uh, loans, and we know that it had to do in some way with uh, Jogo. Yeah. That's really that's all it. we know. Now, there, you might hear folks that claim to know more than that. Uh, my understanding from... My former co workers
1: is that the people who claim to know more than that don't actually know no. more than that. I mean, the rumors that were flying around, it was just some, some of them were outlandish, yeah. and some of them were like, I could see that, but at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter. It sucks. Yeah. But you move on, right? I've spoken to current employees of the team, and I've spoken
0: to John Hackworth, and the stories that they share about what happened or that they're willing to share off the record with me about what happened. Don't completely jibe. Uh, And I'll say that in my experiences with Hack and my experiences with these co-workers, Mm -hmm. former co-workers, uh, I don't believe either of them would directly lie to my face. I sincerely don't think that as a person. And so that tells me that it it was more complicated than anyone has a clear-cut idea of. But the bottom line was John Hackworth, (whistles) gone from the team. Danny Cruz steps in. As we knew he should, Missouri, yeah. as we knew he had been the coach in waiting for the, all the years of John Hackworth's tenure, that he commands respect, that he is knowledgeable about the game, and that uh, those players all know him, and that he was the right choice to be able to steward them from Hackworth to whatever was going to be next, and it turns out that what was next was more was, Danny Cruz. Danny Cruz. Uh, The transition was maybe a little sloppy in terms of play on the field. There were stretches this year where it didn't feel like we had the identity that we've known for a long time. Uh, No.
1: I also feel like there was always that question of, because Danny and Hack had worked together for a long time. Sure. And so there's always that question of how different is it going to be, right? So we back up like two years. O'Connor left.
0: Yeah, oh, that's hell, man. That's almost four years ago now. But oh God, yeah, it is three and a half years ago. Whatever
1: yeah. it is. So when it, we have the triumvirate, right? And one of the questions that we asked Luke was, how different are are you all going to go from the way he coached to like how you all are going to do things until you yeah. find a coach. And so you have to – the answer doesn't even matter, but, like, you're asking the same question, right? Like, yep. how different is this going to be? Yep. Because you can't just be a carbon copy of John Hackworth. And I don't think he is. I don't think but so either. I,
0: even beyond what we've seen on the field, I don't think that what Danny wants to do with this team long-term is the same as what John Hackworth wanted to do with this team long-term. No. And so uh, – I'm excited to see where he goes. I think that maybe the roster he has and the style that Danny would love to play mm-hmm. are maybe round round hole square peg. Yeah. Uh, or at least round hole oval peg. Yeah. Uh, and so just enough that it doesn't quite seamlessly fit. But uh, they found their way, uh, as Lou yeah. City always does. And, I mean, we say this, and it's easy to forget with the success of – 16, 17, 18, 19, that – I mean, hell, every year. Yeah. That there have frequently been lulls for almost for all of the coaches, for all of the different regimes. There have been lulls in even good years, even championship years. Yeah. And so I don't think that it's fair to judge this team based off of the worst they've played because no. the worst they played was early in the year. It was against good competition, and it was – uh, while we were still trying to find out what it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, the signings this year, coming into the year, the new players that were not previously with the team uh, mostly haven't gotten a lot of traction with the squad. So coming into this year, I mean, coming into the playoffs, how about? Yeah, I'll say that uh, players that didn't play on that 2020 team in the playoffs mm-hmm. – You have goal scorer, Jorge Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. You have... You hear the gaping silence there? That's the only difference between what we had on that roster then and what we have on this roster now. And that's not necessarily a problem because it's been a very good team for a very long time. Uh, Jimmy McLaughlin has seen some minutes Kyle Gregg came in at an important time when we needed him to come in and fill yeah. fill some gaps. Uh, Tyler Gibson looked like he might be the answer at the six for parts of the season and then looked like he probably didn't fit for parts of the season and then got hurt and it was hard to, hard to judge yeah. him, hard to evaluate. Uh, but, I mean, essentially, the team we run out there for the playoffs is roughly the same as the teams we have been running out there for the playoffs. Yeah. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Except that they're all getting
1: right. I mean,
0: except that they're all getting a little bit older, uh, and not like the good older, where it's like moving from your young prime to your prime prime. These guys are moving from their prime prime into their post prime. Yeah, Uh, but I think still enough gas in the tank. To uh, to make another noble run of, this year,
1: essentially playoff wisdom though. Oh hell yeah, savvy. You know I mean? They're savvy. Like, on this is a team. team that knows how to be in the playoffs. That is going to be, in my opinion, less likely to get shaken, given the stage that they're on. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I don't think I've ever seen Nile McCabe look nervous. There are people on our team who seem look play. angry. Well, sure, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like there are people no. on the team that like he looks. Eh, like, the moment is... His, people like Nile who've been on the team, like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. He just doesn't look nervous. Paolo doesn't look nervous. Sure. You know? Um, but I know what you're saying. It's very... Uh, we're stretching it yeah. a little bit.
0: And and to be fair, Jogo didn't play much last year. He was not yeah. an important key part of the team, and he definitely is this year. Uh, so you're that's minutes that we're going to Pat McMahon, who is... 46 <laughs> that are now going to a 19 year old or an 18 year old. I can never keep track of how old he actually is. He's 17, 18, 19 the whole yeah. time. So, uh, a, a teenager right. from, uh, an AARP member. So, you know, it's Pat, we love you vibes. Like, love you, love you, but you're so old. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to worry about running into with the office. Say. We're, we're good. You don't have to you can say good. whatever you want. We're now. We're good. Um, so those are minutes that are that got younger uh but by that same token you lose a speedy williams uh yeah. who we will talk about momentarily but uh you, you we lose a speedy williams and then you try, sort of replace him by committee with yeah. tyler gibson and you move palo back to that spot for a brief portion of the season you hoped that Keel watts might fit in there uh you hoped that napo metsoso could take that spot and run with it And nobody's ever really fit perfectly, and so here comes the Swiss Army man, and it's Niall McCabe playing that role for us, which, if we all remember, he did very successfully in the 2018 championship run, where he was playing ahead of Speedy during the playoffs that year. So,
1: good on you. Yeah, that's kind of been my one area of, like, trying to figure out what's happened is Corbin Bone and NAPO. Yeah. Because last season... They were both dynamite. They were on fire. Like, yeah. You couldn't stop them. Dynamite. And so the question is, is it... What happened? Yeah. Like, what's happening?
0: Yeah. Right? Totally fair question. It's a completely fair question, to, to sp- which
1: I don't have an answer. You see sparks of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially
0: in NAPO. You well, see sparks of it. Well, obviously, NAPO being hurt now is tough. And Corbin being hurt for a big chunk of the middle of the season was tough. So you could maybe chalk some of it up to fitness. But, I mean, in theory, Corbin Bones should be completely back now. And you, you don't see the electricity that we saw mm-hmm. uh, for huge chunks of last year. Yeah. And I'll say that my least favorite thing about this iteration of the Loos City squad is that I feel like for years, we've been a little predictable with our offense. Like, it's been reasonably you, you got a pretty good idea how we were going to attack. This year, more so than ever, I feel like—the What the great stat to point to is that Paolo Del Piccolo has nine goals. Nine goals on the season. Which is awesome. And he's playing uh, an advanced, almost like a false nine yeah. role, and has been for most of the year. But what that really means is, if you tracked how far away from goal his goals are, I bet that the average is like eight inches, yeah. or a yard and a it's, half. It's close. He's scoring close. goals on the doorstep, and the reason he's doing that is because we run the same play yeah. over and over, which is you lump the ball from the mid from our fullbacks, I mean, I'm sorry, our center backs, mm-hmm. to hopefully Jogo or Oscar. Uh, But if not, then you try to play direct to uh, one of the midfielders, usually Corbin, usually Corbin Mm -hmm. for this particular job. And then they play a diagonal ball or a long ball to Brian Obey in the corner. Right which has been very effective because against all odds, <laughs> Brian Obey is still the fastest man on somehow. the planet. After all of the injuries and all of the years and all of the minutes in this league, and he is still somehow a half a step faster than whoever they put on him always. <laughs> and so you throw that ball, to the or you, you punch that ball into the corner, and then Brian Obey plays a cross. Now, sometimes that cross is direct, to right in front of the goal, mm-hmm. and, hey, Cam and Paolo are there. Sometimes it's pulling it back to the top corner of the box, and, hey, Jorge or Corbin is there, Yeah. but then they play the diagonal ball yeah. and hope that the, the the back post or front post, depending on what they're doing, run has been made by either Cam or Paolo. Uh, it's been effective enough, like we're getting goals, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yeah. And there are minute variations, which I'm sure make it very difficult to defend, even if you know it's coming. But gone are the days of Ily Illich and Magnus Rasmussen controlling the middle of the the top of the box. Yeah. We don't have a top-of-the-box player right now. And uh, I I know Cam put up another 20-goal performance this year, which is awesome. But honestly, how far out do you think his average goal was this year? Like he he, it hasn't been the same. Like no. marksman cam, he's been a finisher, not a uh, a sniper. Right. Uh, and he's so, had a few of them. Sure. But it's 20, twenty damn goals. You're going to have a couple of really nice longer distance. The ones. one against Memphis, I would well, love sure. to. I would love to
1: ask him. So I <laughs> I'm not going to say where, but at a grocery store, I see some of the guys. Sometimes. Sure. And. Um, some of them, it's Publix in Orlando. Some of them I'll talk to, and because you can get a vibe. Like, yeah. yeah. I saw Cam in there one time. Like, I saw Cam after that game. Yeah. And all I said was, hey, Cam, nice game. Okay. Nice.
0: Very good.
1: And what I wanted to say was, hey, between you and me, <laughs> and I'll take it to my grave. Sure. Did you think that was going to go in, or or was it like, you know what? Thoroughly speculative. It's halftime. I may as well. What's right. the worst that could happen? Yeah. I may as well. Yeah. I would well, love to know.
0: And I love that about a striker, though. I love a little what the hell yeah, out of a absolutely. striker because uh, what was it that Michael Scott said that Wayne Gretzky said? <laughs> you
1: miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't, you don't take.
0: take, and every now and then you just got to put a ball on net and see what happens. Because if you get enough little stuff behind it, the uh, sometimes it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. He had so. that, he also had
1: that, um, in that game against Tulsa, he had uh, that corner. Yep. Remember? Which never happens. And they, you know, you come to find out that it's something that they do in fact practice. Yeah. But it's like, no matter how much you practice something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even that is like, let's see if this happens. I'm,
0: I'm always intrigued when you see Cam line up for a corner now because he's taken a lot more this year yeah, than ever yeah, before. Now, some of that is Oscar being out for extended periods of the season, but uh, some of it is I think that he just thinks if they're not going to keep us honest, I'm going to shoot. Yeah. Like, And, you know, what happens if either the keeper catches it or chaos? Yeah.
1: So You also throw off, I mean, if you have your, like, your striker... Like your striker, right? Yeah. If you're an opposing team, you're like this dude's taking a what, quarter. What are they doing? Who Who are they gonna pass it to? Yeah, yeah.
0: But because we don't have uh, the the pure creative energy of a number ten right now, yeah. Uh, we it, the goals are coming from a very predictable place, uh, which is that it's Brian O'Be beating people, yeah, and then trusting that Cam and Paolo are going to make the right runs to score off of
1: whatever Brian Obi creates. Yeah, but you still get some... Who I wanted to see more of this season and who I still hold out hope that we could see more of is Hopano. Yeah. When he has the ball, he's a dynamo. Yeah. He's like a... He reminds me of a miniature offensive version of Tosh. Okay. That it's going to take a lot to muscle him off the, off the ball. Yeah he's going to do everything he can to get in like yeah Hopano seems like he wants to get in there he right?
0: also wants to get fouled like well yeah yeah
1: um <laughs> but but I, I agree he's he's a terror
0: uh I kind of love him though in the super sub role just because you know he's coming on you know he's going to be running at guys with with tired legs oh, yeah and you know he's going fi- to he's going to know which player is already uh-huh. a little annoyed and he's going to annoy them even more yeah uh He's kind of like the Jamie Tart. He is rather Jamie Tartish in that way. I would love to see Danny Cruz give him the finger, like yeah. uh, go be the asshole right He'll now. Go do it. But uh, it's been that's been my struggle with this version of this team has yeah. been that uh, while we still find a way to get those goals, it feels like a really well disciplined defense that's willing to sit back with their fullback instead of bombing up the field. Might give us some trouble yeah. because if you can't beat them over the top with own be, we 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 haven't had a lot of route to, no. like it will sometimes turn our press will sometimes turn a team over in their half and then you know we can score from the chaos, but when it's a build up when we have to come from you know our goal
1: to their goal, yeah. we do it pretty much the same way. I also though think that sometimes our saving grace has been. Jogo and Oscar not being afraid to put it in themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, like, from that chaos, a lot of the times we see people like that step in. And it's usually your wing backs that benefit
0: from that or create that. Yeah. Just because the midfield's so pinched that uh, it's usually going to, you're going to get those turnovers either by the wide players forcing a turnover or by picking a ball off. And uh, while Oscar hasn't been vintage Oscar this year, you're starting to see a little bit of it. And I thought, I felt like 15 games into the season, there was a stretch of like three or four games where Jogo was undeniable. Yes. Like if he decided he was going to beat his man, he just did. Yeah. Uh, It feels like maybe Danny or the season at large, has put a little bit of the reins on that. Uh, You don't see him trying to beat guys one-on-one as much. You don't see uh, him making that cut in towards the top of the box. He's been going more wide. Uh, I think some of that, though, also is we really don't want to give up goals. (laughs) No. And the more committed your wings are to your attack, that's the more isolated Sean Tosh and Wes Sharpie are. And especially when you have got a, uh, a number six like Nile as opposed to a number six like Speedy, uh, Niall wants to move forward. Yeah. <laughs> and so that really puts your your, your yeah. fullbacks on an island. And Wes Sharpie's been a fucking revelation. He's been great. <laughs> when he's been healthy, he's been great. I remember the, the first game
1: that I watched him play. And you were like, he looks just like me. He does look just like me. He's another one that I see. Yeah. That I see in 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 said grocery store, but we made the comment, he had this really aggressive pass back to Hubbard. And it was like, Oh my (laughs) god God. It's like, calm down. Holy crap. They're not even in our half. Like (laughs) Settle that down. You don't you don't have to do that. But yeah, I mean the game against Miami, it was like Wes well, sharpy. He was everywhere. Where have you been our whole lives? <laughs> he, was,
0: he was Bugs Bunny from the baseball cartoon. Like, he well, was and even everywhere on that um,
1: field. What was the game we played? It the Birmingham game. You even said on Twitter, like, yeah, the, the, the leave from Jogo was perfect. And the pass from, the cross from OMB was great. But and that the started, finish from Hopeno was great. That started with... Uh, an immaculate pass from the back pitch perfect
0: pitch perfect and it's the sort of pass that you gotta have someone on your team that can make you gotta have somebody who says I'm gonna start this breakaway right now like I got this yeah and the deeper that player is on the field the more dangerous your team is and so when Wes Sharpie can do that love 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 Sean Tosh always have he's had a more difficult than normal season this year Yeah. in terms of his positioning. And sometimes I don't think that his athleticism is quite what it has been. And uh, I, I just feel like he's gotten caught out a couple of times this yeah. year. Uh, I, I still defend him online because I think that his presence is important for our team. Yes. But, you know, tactically speaking, he's had a rough year. Uh, but – he can't make that kind of pass. That's not what Sean Tosh does. No, that's not part of his game. No. And so when you have West Sharpie making plays like that, it changes the dynamic of your team. And that was a way of being able to do to skip a pass yeah. in that build-up that I just discussed. It was the same damn thing. Yeah. But it was you skip a layer, yeah. and if you don't have to go through the midfield to get to that pass, then the whole defense is. On their heels. Yeah. And uh, that's where you get, that's where goals come from, is when the defense it was expecting you to play the ball two times and you only had to play it once. Yeah. Uh, in general, if you could give an A through F rating to the season, the regular season, let's take the Miami game out. The regular season, if A plus is uh, zero complaints, would love to see this every year, give me this injected into my veins and an F is fire everybody, let's start over. What are we thinking? What kind of season did we have? I would give it an A minus. A minus. Yeah. That's I mean see that's high praise. Like I love that 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 you felt that way would, about this
1: team. And you know there were draws that shouldn't have been draws. There were times, you know no, there's no like it's no secret that our defense has been an issue, but when I think about it, how much of that is sheer defense being an issue and how much of that is a Magnus Rasmussen, Speedy Williams-sized hole in our midfield. Sure. Um, but I would still give an A- minus because we still finished top in our division.
0: Yeah. We did. We Second made in the league, or in our conference, I'm sorry.
1: We made playoffs again. Yeah. We've, you know in our existence we've never not made the playoffs No.
0: frankly just making the playoffs would be an embarrassment at this point <laughs> right
1: but uh, I would give it an a minus really would.
0: I would have loved to have had you for a college professor because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a generous grade I think that I probably give them a flat B I think not a b plus and if you say 80 to 83 is a B minus I give them an 84 uh I think that they were I think that the team itself never gelled the way it has previously. Even on the unbeaten stretch, which I think got to ten games against it again yeah. this year. Even in the unbeaten stretch, it really felt like there were a lot of draws that could have been wins yeah. and a couple of draws that could have been losses that we just sort of eked out. Uh, but mostly just a lot of draws. Yeah. Um I think that we didn't ever forge an identity this year. And that is exciting to me that we could never really get it together and still win our division and be second in the conference and be right there and still one of the title favorites. Yeah. But it felt like this was maybe a year where if you got everything right, it could have been a special year. Yeah. And instead it was just a perfectly good year. So yeah, so I that's why that. I that's why I give him a B. A B is a perfectly respectable grade. Like good for you. Like if I'd gotten a few more Bs, my life would be totally different. So you know, or my employment anyway. I hope right. my life wouldn't be.
1: But but even the draws, you know, it's still unbeaten, right? Like even a draw is still sure. like, well, you didn't lose. Nope. And so yeah, draws suck because you don't get the points that you should have. You still didn't lose.
0: No, no, you didn't. Let's talk a little bit about Miami.
1: Ugh.
0: So, first round playoff game. Uh, we'll talk a little first about the circumstances under which the game was played, which is interesting in that it was a Saturday night game, eight o'clock p.m. Yeah. game, which is an unusually late start for us. Yeah, uh, a home U of L met football game. Yeah. A home UK football game. Yeah. Breeders' Cup on national television. Yep. Under 50 degrees for the entire game. And still draw 9,000 plus for the game, which is great. Uh, And for a first round playoff game. Yeah. Like, if this is, if we draw nine this week, I'll be a little frustrated. Yeah. If we draw nine in a conference final, I'd be frustrated. But uh, for this particular game, I thought 9,000 was a really good turnout, a good crowd. And, it yeah. was, and there was an energy to it. Oh, yeah. Which I wasn't positive there would be because I think that Lynn Family Stadium is a beautiful place to play soccer. It's a very nice facility. It's a very nice facility for the players. Uh, I don't think that it yet has its own raucous energy to it. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Groove Machine does their thing, and the Capos do their thing, and it's good, and it's always been good. I don't think that it's quite to the level of rowdiness that we got at the heyday of Slugger. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that Scouse's house is... It's just... You're not packed on top of each other like sardines anymore, so it's not quite the same level of energy... Yeah. That's not a bad thing. It's just that it means that when you want there to be electricity, yeah. it's harder to manufacture. Uh, I thought that there was a good buzz in the crowd yeah. for this game. Uh, so that was the circumstances behind the game. Now let's talk a little bit about who we were facing in Miami FC.
1: Bunch of jerks.
0: <laughs> let's start with, <laughs> let's start with, the three very familiar faces in their starting lineup. Uh, in a lovely turnaround, comeback, Cinderella story, Richie Ballard has gone from seeming like he was maybe out of professional soccer to being a starter on a playoff team again. Yeah. Richie Ballard is still the engineer of one of the greatest moments in Louisville City soccer history. Yeah. Uh, with the game winner in the first Eastern Conference final. Yeah. Uh, Shootout. The hometown kid, uh, local product, came back to play for the bad guys and brought his ponytail with him.
1: (laughs) Richie, what are you doing? (laughs) Uh, I I
0: believe he also had a uh, zhuzhed up white blazer. Oh, yeah. And a pastel t-shirt for sure. Scrunch sleeves.
1: Yeah. Scrunch sleeves. Yeah.
0: Uh, Richie has gone full Miami. Oh yeah. And as the saying goes, you never go full Miami. <laughs> is that a
1: saying? <laughs> it should be.
0: It is now. Yeah. You never go full Miami, and it looks like Richie's gone oh, yeah. full Miami. And if it looks like Richie has gone full Miami, God, wait. <laughs> then what can you say about Paco Craig? Oh, my God. Or, I'm sorry, Gigi. What can you say about Gigi? Uh, that hair, man. The hair. Like, the, 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 the right. Jedi Padawan braids were really quite something. The little rat tails that he offered. Uh, Paco, famous friend of our podcast. Yeah. Like we loved him. Yeah. Loved him. Had him on numerous times. He was a delight. Uh sweetheart of a person. Completely and utterly and and interesting and cultured and worldly. Yeah. Kind of comes off when he's not on your team as a big old douchebag.
1: Here's the thing. Like I'm
0: just going to say he kind of comes off as a big old
1: douchebag. Here's the thing. He was always like that. It, it's just easier. <laughs>
0: we were bl- we had we had we our blinders team blinders. On.
1: We had we had purple colored glasses on when when he played for us, right? Sure. But when you watch him playing against us, it's like, God, that dude's kind of a dick. <laughs> He's kind of a dick on the field, right? Like, yeah. why are you so touchy? Why are you fouled people all over the place? And, why are you falling down so much? But he did the same things for he us. Did. He did the exact same thing. But like playing against him was like give him a red card and Just get, get him, him out, out, of out of here. here. Jesus Christ.
0: He he made a couple of tackles that, that were, were just like egregious, egregious uh, tackles. Uh, Paco, friend, if you are still, if you have ever or would ever listen to the to a podcast like this, let me just tell you right now, we miss you. Come home, come <laughs> be on this team. But if you ever come back here in an opposing team's uniform again, get your shit together, dude, because that was awful, That's awful. So that's Paco Craig. Now, the final returnee Mm -hmm. is, he's a little bit of an enigma. Yeah. Because he was maybe as important to our title runs as any player. Oh, yeah. Any player. uh, To the success of the team from the day he arrived to the day he left. He may, I, I frequently would say, was the most important player on the field for us. He played the double pivot as well as it's been played. He was a great partner for Paolo in the midfield. Yeah. He was the vice captain of the team. He was the metronome for what we accomplished and what we did. He allowed Oscar and Kyle Smith and eventually Pat McMahon uh, to, to float up the field as much as they wanted or were interested in yeah. because there was just such faith that he would – cover your ass he was an incisive passer he was important in every possible way I'm led to believe now I will admit I didn't watch a ton of Miami this year I watched two or three games just because I was interested in our former guys but uh, I didn't watch a ton of Miami this year but I'm led to believe that he had a really solid year for Miami and that he was doing for them the same stuff he did for us watching the game on Saturday It didn't feel like Speedy Williams had any kind of an impact on this game. It was a little
1: quiet. It was a little quiet.
0: I mean, I I don't remember watching the game live from our vantage point, which is as far away from the midfield as you can reasonably get. I don't remember ever thinking in my head, Speedy Williams is doing a thing. Like, I don't ever remember thinking, ah, there's Speedy. Watch out. Or he's... I don't even remember ever thinking his name during the
1: game. But again, maybe it's because we were looking at him as the opposing team. Maybe, maybe every team we ever played when he played for Louisville City said the same thing. Like, yeah. but Who's he? Didn't who's even impact the game. Yeah. Maybe it, it, that's his. Maybe it is. That's it. That's, that's, that's glory of speed. To
0: I like to think that I was able to watch him play and try to still think of him as Speedy Williams. And, and so I, I hope that I wouldn't have those same blind spots for him, Yeah. but I, maybe I do. I'm willing to concede that that's a possibility, but I never remembered thinking in this game, wow, speedy's really controlling that quadrant right yeah. now, the way I would frequently feel when he played for us. Uh, so he was sort of an anticlimactic returnee for me. Yeah. Because there was not much interesting happening in the Speedy Williams world in this game. No. Maybe there was if you're watching it on TV. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I didn't go back and rewatch it. So uh, I don't have time for that kind of thing anymore. No. I used to rewatch pretty much every Lucidity City game. That never happens anymore.
1: Um, I used to never watch other teams' games. Yeah. But going into the playoffs this year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what happens with Birmingham and uh, SKC 2. That was oh, a yeah? mistake. Yeah, that would be a mistake. That was a mistake. That game was... I stayed... I, I, I kept with it for the first half, and it was like, there is no point to this. This is unwatchable. <laughs> there
0: is no point this to watching is, this. This <laughs> is a hot, dominant mess. Uh, other interesting note about the Miami roster... Would be oh, okay. uh, would be their goalkeeper. So, uh, the situation is this. There is a rule in the United Soccer League, and probably in soccer leagues around Sounds the world. Sounds like it
1: would be a, a kind of a Sure, thing.
0: maybe. Uh, but that rule is a setup that the rosters freeze on a certain date, a few weeks before the end of the season, saying you cannot add or subtract any more players from your roster that yeah. could play in the playoffs. So... Who you've got now is who you've got. The exception to that is the emergency goalkeeper rule. Because almost every team would have two goalkeepers on their roster. Yes. And if you have two goalkeepers on your roster and one of them goes down with an injury, you don't want to be stuck with just one goalkeeper. And that makes complete sense to me. And so you bring, you are allowed to bring in an emergency goalkeeper from a team that is not playing in the playoffs. Yeah. On a loan. Yeah. The rule was designed so that uh, you wouldn't have a situation where an important playoff game was being decided by an outfield player having to be keeper for the second half of a game because of a red card or an injury. Yes, That was what it was designed for. The way Miami FC used that rule was that their backup keeper... Went down with an injury. And when I say went down with an injury, I will tell you that it was him warming up the yeah, other keepers. Their backup keeper was there and looked pretty healthy. He looked now, nice. soccer fit and fit-fit are two different things. He could have had some tweaked something that kept him from being fully available as a keeper. I don't know. And I'm not gonna, I'm mm-hmm. not a doctor and I won't pretend like it. Okay. Well, I'll say he looked good in warm-ups. And by good, I mean he looked healthy in warm-ups. Yeah. But... Couldn't go. Couldn't answer the bell. So, Miami brought in another goalkeeper as you're supposed to under the emergency rule. And wisely, they went out and found the best keeper they could, who was one of the best keepers in the league last year for Hartford and was solid again this year for Hartford. Right. Uh, Caldwell. Yeah. The interesting and disgusting part of this is that, in theory, they're Top flight goalkeeper, their starter for the vast majority of the season. Sparrow. Connor Sparrow was not hurt. So you're number one, healthy, ready to go. Good to go. You bring in a guy from Hartford and say he's going to start this playoff game. So they, instead of using it to bring in a backup goalkeeper, brought in the best keeper they could find and started him. Yeah. That is an abuse of that rule. Yeah, it was not designed awful. for you to be able to get better to make your team better. No. It was designed it's, to keep your team from being from suffering unfairly. Yeah, and I just there are only a couple of possibilities. One, their backup keeper was actually hurt, okay, and their starting keeper was not a hundred percent fit. Okay, wasn't a hundred percent fit. Was good enough to. Be a backup, but not 100% fit. And so they said, we're going to start Caldwell because he's 100% fit. That is the only circumstance I can imagine under which they are not hatefully petty, cheating bastards. Right. And I admit that that possibility exists. I will tell you that it did not seem that way that either of their other two keepers were no. hurt during warmups. ups It didn't feel that way. No. Which means... That the only other possibility is they said we're gonna find the best keeper we can and he's gonna play for us instead of our shit <clears> keeper. <throat>
1: it's also if what the scenario you just described, if that were the case, that's an easily defensible position. Sure. You
0: that's come a, out and announce that.
1: You come out and say, hey, look, I know this looks weird, yeah, but neither of these guys are good to go. Yeah. They just aren't. Yeah. There's been nothing. No. And when you look at any social media to do with any of it. Yeah. They are tagged, they are called out directly, and there has been nothing. No. And what that tells me is that they knew exactly, they knew that what they were doing was a cheap shot. Yeah. Here's an interesting fact. Later. I'm sure you saw it. I'm sure everybody listening to this saw it. But I just, I, I thought it, I giggled a little bit when I saw it. Caldwell. Yes. The, you know, you I'm going with this. The Jorge. Yeah. Jorge scored on him. What was it? Jorge scored. I'm going to fuck this up.
0: You got this. I have confidence in him The you. last
1: time we played Hartford. Yes. Jorge scored that goal. Yes. Against Caldwell. Yes. It is very apropos that Jorge would be the one. Who scored to against score Caldwell again. Against Caldwell again. If that's not karma, I don't know what is. (laughs) Now,
0: I have a fun personal story about uh, Mr. Caldwell playing keeper for this game. So during warm-ups, as Scouse's house has been known and want to do, Yeah, it's basically our job. we were making fun of the goalkeepers. It occurred to us belatedly, after looking at some lineups, that Caldwell was starting. We were operating under the assumption that he had been called in as an emergency keeper and would not possibly play. Right. But then the starting lineups were released. We find out that Caldwell is in the starting lineup. And so we were letting Mr. Caldwell and Mr. Sparrow hear about it from us, that we felt that this was cheap, that we thought that uh, they should not be proud of themselves uh, that we thought that they were bad people for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. That Mr. Sparrow should be embarrassed and, and angry and ashamed and angry, and that Mr. Caldwell was a scab, yeah. and was uh, gaming the system inappropriately, uh, and had failed his own team too miserably to be allowed to play in a playoff game. We lot, uh, we we announced all of this to these keepers less than ten feet from us. Loudly, vociferously, and creatively. A man came to stand next to me behind the goal. And whilst I was yelling certain things at these keepers. And now bear in mind that when I yell at a goalkeeper, I do not curse. No. I find it is beneath me to curse at the keeper. I want to get in their head clean and uh, that's
1: just, that's how I roll. There's no cursing. There's no derogatory. There's I would nothing. never
0: say anything about, I would never say anything that was personally offensive. Yeah. I want to get under your skin by telling you the truth or absurdities. I would never attack a person's, you know, anything that is inherent to them. So when I tell you that a man came to stand next to me whilst I was yelling these, uh, these, epithets at my at our goalkeeper at that Mr. Caldwell I asked a newcomer who had just arrived Jared Jared I asked Jared did he know the story and what was going on with Caldwell and the goalkeeper situation I announced this as Jared was coming down the stairs the gentleman that had come to stand next to me turned to me and said I know what's going on here do you And I said, uh, yeah. And then I explained the situation to him. And he said, I know all of that. I'm Caldwell's dad. (laughs) Now, (laughs) here's the, here's the, I could not have been happier (laughs) that Caldwell's dad had decided to weigh in on the subject because... I can't imagine a scenario worse for a professional athlete than having your dad defend yeah. you to opposing fans. Uh, that was wonderful ammunition to have in my back pocket for the remainder of the game. Uh, it was also uh, he, he meant well but didn't have any notion of what he was going to say to me afterwards. like he clearly didn't want to like fight me right He was just hoping that I was gonna stop making fun of his kid yeah. uh, I think. And as a new father, I'll tell you that I would be so proud if Luca was a professional athlete of any kind. I'll be proud of him no matter what. But I'd be so proud if he was a professional athlete. But once he became a professional athlete, I would work really hard on not trying to defend him to people who were there to make fun of him. Yeah. Uh, He was baffled by my responses to his questions. I think he thought that I would feel bad for making fun of his son. I think son he thought you were or... going to back down. I think he thought you. Were, he
1: was like calling you out. He did not know who
0: he was dealing with. Yeah. Uh, I was perfectly respectful and nice to the man, but uh, it, it did not have the desired effect. Thank you, Mr. Caldwell. It was a pleasure. So, the game itself. Not just our <laughs> players. Not just uh, goalkeeping shenanigans. Yeah. We should have given up a goal in the first eight minutes, like that was should have, and it would have been Hulk's fault. It would one hundred percent have been Hulk's fault. Yeah, uh, I thought that in general we had the better of the game, but they had the better chances in the first half. It felt like we had the better game. Yeah, uh, we generated more chances. Yeah. We had more possession. We had. Uh, more dangerous possession, but when it came to actual opportunities to score, they had two or three where it was like, yeah. and we never really threatened in the first half, except for a three-save bonanza from Caldwell, God. which I'm sure Sparrow wouldn't have made, so fuck you guys out there, Hartford, for letting them have him. But at any rate, uh, we had one little three-goal, or three-shot frenzy yeah and other than that we never really troubled them in the first half no
1: it felt like they were ready for our overlap yeah you know what I mean it did it felt like they knew what our I mean and you know these coaches watch each other's games and they yeah. something that's how they play it right They're like this does this yeah they do this we they should do, do this well. well. yeah here's how we stop that but that felt exceptionally like no they were like ready for an overlap
0: yeah Uh, It was a chippy game right from the beginning. Like, my God. You'd never know the intricacies of a locker room. And so I don't know how much Speedy, Richie, and Paco were beloved or derided by their teammates. I don't know if they were like, those are our guys. Or if it was like, you know, they're just on our team. Like, I don't know. But I do know that on this night, it looked like there was no love lost. No. Um, A couple of really interesting Richie and Oscar moments where it looked like Richie had the opportunity to try to to take Oscar on and decided, no, I'm not doing that, which felt like that's probably because practice happened 10,000 times and 8,400 of them went badly for Richie. That's my guess. Uh, Ultimately, the first half kind of felt like prize fighters jabbing at each other. Uh, Miami took three big swings and missed. And uh, so, going to halftime feeling a little—I mean, it was starting to get like itchy. Yeah. It was starting to feel like this game might have some, might have some uh, some legs for how long it's going to go. Are we playing some overtime here? Are we going to penalties? What's happening? I hate going to penalties. God, I hate penalties too.
1: Holy crap!
0: Same Z's, same Z's. It's awesome if it's not your team in a game you care about, right. Or if it's in hindsight and you already know you've won, (laughs) then they're awesome.
1: Then it's great. But, uh, living though
0: is exhausting. Uh, glad we avoided that because in the second half, uh, we really, I think our press started to be more effective farther up the field. Um, on a fun personal note in the second half, uh, a substitute for Miami came over to give some instructions to Caldwell, who he I'm sure had never met before (laughs) and uh, was standing at the corner of the (laughs) goal, and was standing at the corner of the goal, trying to get Caldwell's attention to give some sort of instruction from the bench. We figured out what that instruction was, but uh, he was trying to give some sort of instruction from the bench, but he happened to start trying to do it during a loud moment. And then our entire section figured out what he was trying to do
1: all at once. Like none of us said anything to each other. We just all caught on all at once.
0: (laughs) Everybody noticed what he was trying to do and that Caldwell couldn't hear him. And so every time he opened his mouth for the next, I'm not kidding, it was probably two and a half minutes. uh, We just booed him mercilessly, yelling as loud as we could so he couldn't be heard. Caldwell didn't notice him. And so there was like two minutes where he did not have the information that this key, that this, uh, that the coach was trying to relay to him, which, uh,
1: somebody posed this question on Twitter. Can they do that?
0: Uh, no, theoretically. No, they cannot. Now you're never going to catch any heat for that. And there's really easy, plausible deniability, even though we can all see what's happening. That's also the warm up area for the subs. Uh, we see the subs run by yeah. back and forth over there. They're allowed to be there. Uh, if they happen to be yelling something to the keeper, that's going to be really hard to enforce. So yes, the letter of the law, that's illegal. So but that I don't even—I don't even think that's shady, though. I think that's just so the the coach didn't want to have to yell over there, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you are—if you are upset by, it, I can tell that some people on Twitter were
1: upset about I it. I thought so. it was a little shady. I got you. Have we ever done something like that? Probably. Okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have direct evidence that's of that, bad. but I mean, I would imagine
0: uh, our. Players warm up behind Chris's yeah. goal. I imagine that yeah. occasionally sometimes they get, uh, some, they get some instruction as well. I thought that as uh, – and we know and learned very quickly that what was passed on to him in that exchange was to try to play the ball past – to play the ball behind Jogo. Yeah. They thought they'd seen Jogo sneaking too far up the field, and so they were instructing him to play the ball long to the right Past Jogo, and I want to give a big shout out to Big Papa Tosh oh, for yeah. pointing that out to me. Uh, as the Toshes joined us for the second half, uh, they brought some party with them. Let's just say that. They Interestingly,
1: were, Mama Tosh, huge fan of the show.
0: Oh, she was she's she was one of the people who asked us yeah. to uh, to to record this week. We promised that if there was a win, we would do it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so Mama Tosh, Papa Tosh, this is at least a little for you. I hope that it's a uh, a safe drive from Chicago down here this Saturday for the Charlotte game, I mean for the Charlotte game. You want to walk us through the goal. You want to you want to talk about what you saw from Jorge and the little combination play with Corbin that it felt like there was some ricochet action more than maybe some intention. What,
1: this is what I'll say. I'm not tactically smart enough to do that, but this is what I will say. It feels like we have gotten really good at, like you said, our attack is predictable, right? We're going to do the same thing every time. But it feels like we've gotten really good at when it goes bad in the box. Yeah. We've gotten really good at recovering it. Like, okay, this didn't work, but let's keep it in. Keep it in the melee. Yeah. Yeah. And see what happens. And I feel like this is kind of a prime example of that. Yeah. Bounces around from Corbin. I think Cam got a hold of it at one point. Yeah. Back to Corbin. Jorge to Corbin. Back to Jorge. Yeah. And Jorge is just perfect. Right? Yeah. And I think it took a little bit of a deflection off of somebody before it went in. It
0: felt that way. Uh, our angle, it was hard to say. Uh, there was, I believe, Paco Craig yeah. diving to try to, uh, to, to deflect that ball. Uh, got a little piece of it, I think. Yeah. But uh, from our angle at the time, it was hard to, hard to judge. Um, I, I agree that one of the skill sets of a veteran team is often uh, what could be categorized as the lucky bounce. A lot of the time, it's just sort of understanding the probabilities of where a ball could bounce. Yeah. Like, yeah, it landed at a good spot for Corbin to be able to tap it on, and it bounced off at the right spot to, for Jorge to be able to find it. But maybe you position yourself that way because you can tell, this doesn't have to be perfect to get to me. It could take some deflections, and if it does, it's likely to end up in this area. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that we've been, Johnny, on the spot for a lot of stuff like that over the years. Um, I have real strong memories of us using that to a great advantage against Indy last year. Yes. uh, Where we had, I think, three or four goals, especially on the road against them, where A ball took a a fortunate seeming bounce,
1: Mm -hmm. and our guy happened to be there. There was one um, that sticks out in my head, Speedy. Okay. It took a real – playing at Indy. Yeah. Like, there was one that shot up and real high. Yeah. And Speedy just happened to be there when it came down. Right. So, yeah.
0: Uh, I remember Cam getting one that uh, took a a funny bounce on the way to him uh, because somebody had launched a shot and it ricocheted off. Uh, I think it was Antoine launched the shot. It ricocheted off of somebody, and Cam was there to be able to just punch it in. And I also remember somebody taking a shot and Corbin being there for the rebound off of the post. Yes. Or off of the crossbar.
1: It was a header. Uh, Yeah. Where,
0: Yeah. yeah, it's lucky that the ball took the right angle to get there, but it was also smart of him to position himself for a rebound and was prepared for it. So... I'm not saying that any of these are all identical situations. I'm just going to say that good teams have a tendency to capitalize off of fortune. Yeah. So if you give us a lucky bounce or a lucky break, we're likely to punish you for it. And we're more likely to get a lucky break yeah. by virtue of our positioning and veteran savvy. That's all I'll say. Yeah. yeah. And this goal was a prime example of that. And uh, even though Jorge is maybe the least veteran, part of our attack besides Jogo uh, but uh, was was really finished that with a and uh, I was I was proud I was proud of him and uh, yeah. obviously then the celebration was on and nobody nobody gives hugs like Michael Scouse Bramelo after a goal is scored yeah you you'd never get wrapped up that way by anybody else I'll just it's it's a simple fact that if you out there, the listening audience, have never experienced a post-goal hug yeah, from them. Scouse, then you don't really know yeah. what soccer is. <laughs> like you may think, oh, I've watched a lot of games, I've done a lot of things, I I I read a lot of books and articles, and you know I I've written some articles, and I'm I'm, I'm a guy who loves soccer. No, you don't. <laughs> like if you loved soccer, you would have gotten a Scouse hug, and you'd know what that felt like. So, get your shit together, audience. Uh, no, it, it's that that will never get old. Not not the Scouse hugs, but the playoff goal and the pandemonium that follows it. Uh, it's just as good as it gets. Um, and then it really just sort of felt like it didn't feel like desperate defending the rest of no, the way. No, it didn't. Which was a nice change of pace. I expected when the goal went in, we were all talking about, okay, now it's butt clinching time yeah, until we get
1: to the end. ton of time left.
0: But it really never felt that way. What was it? Like the 80, 80th minute, 73rd it was minute, 77th? Fourth minute. Okay. So, you know, it's still a sixth of the game left or whatever. Yeah. And uh, no, we were fine. We were fine. It was comforting to me that I never felt. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, The defense, two shutouts in a row right now. I think they're feeling good about themselves.
1: Which I think goes a long way to, it's you know, I feel like it's such a slippery slope in professional sports in general. Like, it's such a mind game, right? Like, once you have one fuck up, it's easy to. How do you feel today? Yeah. Yeah. Is
0: as important. Your current mentality is as important as anything else. Uh, And right now, I think the guys are in a good spot. Well, they're going to have to take that good spot and put it to use against Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte Independence has been uh, sort of a perennial, also ran for most of Lou City's time in the in the USL Championship. Uh, they. Frequently are like the last team into the playoffs yeah. or like fifth place team in the playoffs. And you're never really worried about them beating anybody or being there at the end. It's just sort of Charlotte. You bet. They're never terrible. They've got the Martinez's usually. Only one this, t- this time around. But oh, yeah. Just Enzo right now. Fuck Enzo Martinez. But uh, so it's not what it. They never. This has been a year where they suddenly feel very capable, yeah. uh, as opposed to years past. Uh, one loss since the calendar turned to September, and that was a two-one barn burner against Birmingham, who we know is capable and good. Oh yeah, uh, they've got a lot of like five nothing victories in there, mm-hmm. but they also play a lot of games against Loudoun and you know, Red Bulls too, who is not what they once were. I have a question for you after this.
1: Okay. Just ask, just sure. remind me.
0: I'll just say that, uh, it's hard to judge whether or not Charlotte's nice record this year. And I believe they finished one point behind us. So yeah. not, not by much. Uh, it's hard to say how much of that is division driven mm-hmm. and how much of that is they were really good. I tend to think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking coming into the year that our division our division was going to be, you know, tough with Birmingham getting good and surely Indy was going to be good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and it just sort of never materialized. And yeah. so we had what maybe would be considered an easy run through our division. But, I mean, the bottom line is that the Eastern Conference was only ever like five good teams. Yeah. And Charlotte's one of them. Uh, They are completely capable of beating us in this game. They've got a nice mix of veteran guys who've been there and fought the wars, and they have some nice younger developing pieces. Uh, This is a complicated year for them as Charlotte FC kicks off next year in MLS, uh, and whether or not Charlotte Independence will still exist either in the USL championship or in a league or in USL league one, or if they'll be defunct. Uh, It's hard to judge what's going to happen to them after this year. And I think that their players take that seriously. Uh, If you're looking for highlights on their team, Dane Kelly is the obvious place to start. He is uh, with all due respect to Cam Lancaster. He is the historic striker of the USL. Uh, he's got like forty more goals than the second place goal scorer of all time in this league, uh, and he's still ripping them at thirty years old. He's still ripping them. Uh, you gotta you gotta respect Dan Kelly, no matter where he is on the field. Uh, Enzo Martinez at the next level. Who uh, hate him as much as you will. He's just sort of a really good player. He's he's Niall McCabe. He's Niall McCabe. He's yeah. really good. He's also really annoying. Uh, uh, he can play all over the midfield for them. Uh, he's 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 a dangerous, really good player uh, on the back line. Christian Fuchs is an MLS player in a USL jersey right now, yeah. so Christian Fuchs is the real deal. You got to mark him on set pieces, as uh, Memphis learned to their detriment. Uh, you gotta and, and you got to go out and beat him. Uh, and he's not easy to beat. He's a big, strong guy, yeah. and uh, he's he's going to be tough on us. Uh, I think it's Saxon goal. I can't remember if they're yeah. starting Saxon or if they're starting Andrew Miller. Uh, I just Saxon. I, I can't remember, uh, and I apologize, listeners. This is like I say, our first fucking podcast yeah. in two years. So you can get over it if I don't <laughs> remember who's starting for Charlotte. But doing, I'll tell but, you man. that. They've been a good team. They want the ball, but they also can beat you on a counter if you're going to dominate the ball. I would expect in this game that we're going to have the majority of the ball, mm-hmm. but not by a lot. Uh, I, I bet it ends up being like 55-45 yeah. kind of a possession game, 53-47, something what like Miami? that. was uh, Miami? I didn't even check. I didn't even check. I feel bad about that now. Hmm half in it here, Andy. We're we're fine. just we're just flying by the seat of our pants. Like four people are going to listen to this. Yeah, so but they're going to be furious <laughs> that we didn't put That'd a little more so effort into this. Um, the uh, they're they're good. Charlotte's a really good team. Yeah. They're well coached. It's Mike Jeffries' team, and uh, Mike Jeffries really made some big changes uh, to their to their philosophy. They pack the midfield mm-hmm. now. And so it's going to be hard for us to do anything through the middle. So we better do our thing over the top and trust Brian Ownby. Um, I would expect that this game is going to be physical. Mm -hmm. I would expect that this game is going to be a little nasty. Uh, I would expect that this game is two mostly veteran teams who will mostly respect each other. who haven't played this year and, uh, I would think that goals would be at a premium. That's just a guess. Uh, I've got 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Two, that's one. my entire breakdown. Yeah, I've got 2-1 Lou City. Uh, that's my entire breakdown of Charlotte. We can talk about more about how Lou City is going to play. But uh, I want to hear Andy Frederick, what's your uh, what's your goal prediction score, line? 2-0. Two 2-0. Two I, sh- I think
1: we shut them out. I would love to see the shutout train continue. I think we shut them out. I That'd think we're life. on a really good... I think our defense is a, is on a really good spot right now. Um, I think this is a Cameron Lancaster kind of game. Yeah, you know, we're kind of due, don't you think? I think I think this is a Cameron kind of game.
0: It might be Cameron saying, Dane Kelly, I'm coming for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, I'm not kidding. I think it would take two years of Lancaster scoring 23 uh, and Dan Kelly scoring zero yeah. for uh, for him to catch him. I mean, it's not going to be an easy thing to do because 20 goal seasons are hard to come by. Yeah,
1: but I think this is a this is a Cameron
0: game. I'm with it. I'm with it. I also, kind That's of. That's a great a, choice. I think
1: we get a PK in this one. Oh, okay, we're due for one, aren't we? God, after after he, that dude. Basically picked Hopeno up. Yeah. <laughs> he may as well have picked him up over his head and body slammed him in the box.
0: It felt like bane on Batman. Yeah, and, dude. And, like and, he
1: grabbed him and threw him down. That ref didn't call shit. Yeah, did not care.
0: Because Antoine Hopeno. Because <laughs> <laughs> Antoine Hopeno probably made fun of the referee's wife on his way onto the field yeah. just for fun. Oh yeah. Um I would love to see that a PK and a uh, and a and a Cam banger. Um it sometimes feels like PKs come in bunches. and yeah. So I would love to have a, a run of a couple of games where we get several of them. We that we could use it. Uh, I got, with 2-1, I have got a... Uh, I've got a sinking suspicion that we're in for another Paolo goal. That yeah. With Paolo... Putting up his nine spot this year. I think he wants a playoff goal to go with it. Yeah, And so I think you'll see a Paolo put one home. He's just been so smart with yeah. the runs he's making, the yeah. timing that he's been putting into it. Uh, you can just tell that he's got a lot of confidence in his teammates to feed him. Because, I mean, you make that run and you don't get the pass. That means you run into the net. Like, yeah. you're like, oh.
1: It's, yeah, it's been, it's been fun watching it because it feels like he's waiting – As far as the timing of those goals, it feels like he waits until the very last second because he kind of shoots out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it sometimes is
0: like... I think that he's taken two or three off of Cam's boot too where Cam made the back post run and Paolo made the near post run and Cam's waiting thinking it's coming and then it just never gets there because Paolo's already put it in the back of the net. I got Paolo with one and I am going to have a... I'm going to have a Wes Sharpie goal. I think that because yeah, of good. how well he's played this season and because I think that set pieces are going to be a huge part of what happens in this game, mm-hmm. uh, I think that Wes gets forward. I'm not even saying he like gets a header or anything like that. I'm just saying that we throw one into the meat grinder, it bounces around, and Wes is up there and, is, and makes it happen. So I got Wes and Paolo with the goals. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about... What else could happen this year? So, this is the Eastern Conference semifinal. Yeah. We don't generally play look ahead, but we're not doing another pod, so there's no, nowhere so else to look. As well. uh, so, uh, the key is you got Tampa playing Birmingham, on yeah. the other side, Birmingham wins. Yeah, let's play the assume Blue City wins just because otherwise what are we doing here? Right. Birmingham wins. They come to us for the Eastern Conference Final, which is usually what happens. So I assume that's what... Right. <laughs> but uh, And then uh, <laughs> if Tampa were to win, then we would go to Al Lang and play down there in Tampa, which... I haven't worked out exactly how I'm going to convince Katie that I'm going to need to leave for a day and a half to go to Tampa, Florida, but uh, I'm starting to work on something in the back of my head. Uh, So Tampa is really good. Again, they're dangerous. They're scary. I don't want to play them. I want it to be Birmingham because we know them. We know how to play them. We know how to beat them. And the last thing we saw of Tampa was, I'm sorry, they kind of dominated us in that final last year. Uh, it's not the fun way to put it, but, I mean, really, it didn't feel like we were that close to winning that game. That felt like a Tampa victory. Uh, And I don't think that we've gotten a lot better, and I don't think they've gotten a lot worse. So,
1: that's what I'll say is,
0: I would rather play Birmingham. Or do you want revenge?
1: Revenge would be more fulfilling. (laughs) Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. It would be something to... It would be fun to go down there and just like, I'm not even say dominate them. It would be fun to just beat them. Okay. Right? Just get a W. Oops. Get like a, a a two one win. All right. Like a, a three one win. Well, yeah, a seven nothing win. <laughs> a fourteen
0: <laughs> to one consolation goal win that we just let happen. Yeah,
1: we literally walk off the field with yeah. two minutes left and we're like, like we're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know. I mean, more than anything, and I was thinking about this question today, more than anything, I think like I just want to get to the Eastern Conference Final.
0: Yeah. It would be the seventh year in a row, every single season of our existence, if we were to beat Charlotte. I also
1: think Birmingham has a legitimate chance of upsetting Tampa.
0: I do, too. Birmingham's really good. They're really good. And they're young, and they're hungry. Yeah. But... I think Tampa is disciplined enough yeah. that it's not going to matter. I I, I got two nothing Tampa in that game personally. Yeah, um, but I hope I'm wrong. So, uh, and my bracket is garbage, by the way, because of the Western Conference, wherein the only two teams who would have had a chance to host oh, the Western God. Conference are out. So, Out the, the, first the final will be played in the
1: East, regardless of which of the four teams it is. Which I find comfort in, in and of itself. Yeah. Just so the West, just, just keep in mind... You're coming here. Who's, no <laughs> who's matter in control what, here. Keep that in mind. You, you run your simulation all you want,
0: but your simulation ends in the East. Hilarious that Phoenix was... Yeah. Husted. Hilarious. Phoenix and El Paso both just <laughs> ousted. Whoops. Uh... So, you know, we'll see how things play out. Obviously, the Charlotte game is paramount, uh, but it will be fascinating to see where we go. But I trust the other great podcasters for Louisville City FC to, uh, to to carry that burden as we go forward. Uh, I do want to give a big shout-out to uh, to the other podcasts that are going on out there right now. You got... Uh, a couple of new ones that have started since we, uh, since we went off the air. So you got the center forward podcast, yeah. uh, go on groove machine with your bad selves. Joe, we love you. Uh, you got, uh, the, you got Vamos Morados podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, Benton is doing a great job, uh, with Zach over there doing that. That's, that's a, that's a good listen. I strongly encourage people to, uh, to tune in when, where you can, um, the new and improved or new and ruined. I really don't know how you feel about it, but, uh, the new, uh, soccer city radio lineup with, uh, uh Jeff Greer yeah. and, uh, Lance can say he's not the host anymore all he wants, but it feels like Lance is on that yeah. show every week. Uh, we, we only talked about having one guest for the show. If we were going to have a guest tonight, it was going to be Lance McGarvey. Yeah. Um, and Lance was willing and amenable, but uh, the logistics with my son sleeping upstairs were a little more complicated. Yeah, and uh, also with the pandemic, we didn't want to try to put things out for Lance. But listen to the Soccer City uh, radio podcast wherever you can. I know that uh, you're still occasionally getting some hot brown Soccer Town action. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Uh, you, I know that occasionally you still get a barrel proof. I saw a barrel, a barrel proof, proof, proof recently uh, dropped, and so that's awesome. Uh, am I missing another one? I, I don't that? think Jordan and uh, Jay have done a uh, final judgment in quite uh, some time, so so that's out. Uh, although, big shout-out to Jay and his wife, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy was the was my doula. For the birth of my son. And Jimmy and Jay uh, earned a special place in my heart forever for that. So, uh, Purple Family at B-Tar. Yeah, dude. And uh, we're still using all the stuff that was collected for us by the Purple Family, led by the Loose City Ladies. So, thank you very much uh, to them. It's been a lot of fun coming and hanging out with you, Andy.
1: You too, bud.
0: We don't do this nearly often. We don't. And I'm not talking about podcasts. I'm just talking about... I
1: mean, kids, dude.
0: Yeah. What age... Or what level of pandemic is it where, like, that's not a thing anymore? You're just like, oh, yeah, we'll bring the kids and they'll go roughhouse somewhere else. Because right now my kid is thoroughly dependent on uh, somebody holding him. And your kid is thoroughly dependent on somebody chasing him. Oh, my God. He sure is, But <laughs> What yeah. age is it where it'll be like, know, oh, yeah, like... we don't have to watch you the whole time you can play? Six. is it? I don't know
1: I don't either dude I don't I don't,
0: I, I don't know I don't even know what kids are into I feel like we could get away with it now I don't think we could just put them to bed well that's the key bed but that's not just like letting them run loose run riot yeah I don't know what age that is but I guess we're gonna find out yeah um, you got anything else you feel necessary to share? Well, uh, I appreciate you joining me in and sharing some purple stuff, which we've been sipping on the whole way. Uh, it's not what it once was. Our, our, I don't think our podcast game was as sharp as it once it's was. It's okay. But, it was mostly there. <laughs> but it was fun, uh, and uh, I will uh, forever enjoy the time we get to, to spend chatting about this team that we both love regardless of what happens and I hope that I see you in like uh, uh, four weeks uh, down at uh, Acme for our uh, tattoo yeah. updates.
1: Yeah. So oh yeah we're gonna have to update awesome. those tattoos so uh,
0: all right purple friends, purple family uh, Andy and I only know how to end a podcast one way and that is by saying a very clear a very concise go, go city. city.